Welcome to the newest Eden Center podcast, Building Ourselves Through Parsha. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, will use the Parsha to explore an aspect of social, emotional, or physical well-being relevant for 21st century life and its challenges. Karen is a certified Matan Moralalacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Lashirut, a guidance program for religious girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Consistent with the Eden Center's goal of enhancing women's spiritual life through Torah and Mikvah, Karen's insights, we hope, will serve as a springboard for self-introspection and discussion. Hello, everyone. In this week's Building Ourselves podcast, I would like to highlight advocacy for the rights of women in Judaism, in particular the plight of Agunot. We live in a generation which has experienced more empowerment and opportunities for women than ever before. This is true in both our religious lives and in general society. Yet there is one area more than any other where women are still being denied basic justice the right to receive a get, a divorce, within Jewish law. How does this relate to Parshat Pinchas? In this week's Parsha, we encounter an unusual story of women speaking up for justice. After the Torah delineates how the land of Israel will be divided up among the tribes, the daughters of Tzlofchad approach Moshe and the nation's leadership with a request that they be given an inheritance in Israel, as there are no sons to inherit. Their request, as we will learn, is accepted and commended by Hashem. Their story is a model for men and women who want to advocate for change within the law and for justice. After these insights into the Parsha, I have the pleasure of interviewing Joe Greenaway, who worked for several years for the London Beitin. In the spirit of the Daughters of Tzlofchad, Joe worked with the Dayanim to find greater solutions for Agunot who were lingering within the system. So stay tuned for that. Let's look at the story of Benot Tzlofchad to better understand why they were so successful in making change. Rashi brings the Midrash that teaches that their claim was so just that God affirmed it from on high. The Torah states they have made a fair claim. Rashi teaches, happy is the person with whose words the Holy One, blessed be he, agrees. There are a number of hints in the biblical narrative itself which point to the delicate balance between respectfulness to rabbinic authority and Hashem, alongside standing confidently in a claim that these women believed in and which came from a place of true devotion. First, the words which describe their approach, vatikravna, is related to the word karev, bringing a korban, and the word vata'amodna, and they stood before, they stood this also relates to the word of tefillah, the Amidah. Their devotion to God, to the land of Israel, and to Halakha comes through in their request for change. This is reinforced by the Midrash in Bamibaraba, which teaches that they are part of a long line of righteous women who stood strong in their faith in the desert and did not take part in the Chet HaEgel, nor did they accept the negative words of the Meraglim. This also fits with the Midrashic tradition, which teaches that their father, Tzlofchad, was one of the Ma'apilim, the few who tried to go into Israel after the sin of the spies, showing that they have a strong commitment to, the, to Israel in their family values. This all highlights their piety and their pure motivations in approaching Moshe for justice. However, these women also have a strong and bold side. In rabbinic tradition, they enter the world of the Beit Midrash, where halacha is expounded and established, where women were once not present, and they engage in the halachic discourse. Benot Tzlochad, Chochmaniyotem, Darshaniyotem, Tzidkaniyotem. 
The Gemara in Bava Batra teaches that the daughters of Slavchad were wise, they are interpreters of the verses, and they are righteous. The Gemara goes on to teach that Abba Hanan says in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, those leaders enumerated in the verse were all sitting in the house of study, the Beit Midrash, and Slavchad's daughters went and stood before all of them at once. But note Slavchad made arguments based on the law and the words of Torah. They show that this is the most effective way to make change and find justice for Agunot, or for women in Halakha in general, through entering the world of the Beit Midrash, learning Halakha, and being involved in Halakhic discourse and debate. This is the way to also become involved today in making change for the plight of Agunot. This, of course, is all in addition to the incredible and holy people, men and women, who have worked from the outside to raise awareness and fight for the rights of Agunot. Also, there have been rabbis who have been devoted to finding solutions for Agunot. All of these are very important and necessary and deserve tremendous Hakarat HaTov. The story of Benot Slofchad brings another layer of activism and inspiration for women to create more ways within the halachic system to be involved and to work with Jewish leaders and Dayanim to create even better solutions. We are seeing more of these women following in the footsteps of Benot Slofchad. To quote one famous advocate for women's rights, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. One of the women who made a difference in working with the Beit Deen in the United Kingdom is Jo Greenaway. Next, we will hear from her about how she came to work at the Beit Deen and her experience there. Shabbat Shalom. This week's podcast is sponsored by Ali Tuckman in honor of her late grandmother, Chana Bat Chava Peril, the Avraham Cohen, for being the strongest woman ever. He Zichra Baruch. Joe Greenaway is proud to lead the London School of Jewish Studies, a world-class center of Jewish teaching, where she is responsible for molding and delivering the vision and strategy. Joe is a qualified and experienced lawyer who worked in the city for 13 years in international disputes before focusing fully and professionally on the Jewish community. She created the first female role within the Beit Deen in London, helping people in difficult cases of get refusal and finding new avenues to resolve cases. She is passionate about Jewish education and loves teaching, particularly Jewish law and contemporary issues. She has a degree in modern languages from Cambridge University, Queens College, and a postgraduate diploma in law. She's a graduate of the LSJS Susie Bradfield Educational Leadership Program, the Chief Rabbi's Mayan Program, and the JLC Game Changers Senior Leadership Program. She was named as one of the 40 under 40, is a trustee of a number of communal organizations, has worked with communities and schools across Europe, and teaches and lectures widely in the community. She is very proud to lead an exceptional and dedicated team running innovative education programs and training and developing the teachers and educators that our community so desperately needs to survive and thrive. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. Hi. So in this week's podcast, I talk about Benot Slavchad advocating for justice for their own rights as women. Um, you uh, also, as a woman, have been involved in advocating on behalf of other women and making change for women navigating the Beit Deen. Could you tell us about how you came to be involved in the London Beit Deen? Sure. So I worked as a lawyer for many years in the city of London for about 13 years on, on disputes. Uh, and 
when I was on maternity leave, actually with my fourth child ready to go back, I ended up getting very involved in issues, particularly relating to the bed din. Um, I had been for many years as a sideline involved in issues around um, relating to women in the community and teaching and learning about them. And, and at that particular juncture, I got very interested in the issue of get refusal, spoke to a number of women who told me about the, um, their experience going through divorce and, um, and brought together a number of women who'd been involved in dealing with the issue in the past, particularly making changes in the legal system to help to address get refusal. And, and it felt like there was a need for, for the issue to be addressed now. It felt like the people who'd worked on it in the past were not really involved anymore. And it seemed that there are a number of issues that could be improved, and particularly the fact that there wasn't a woman really working substantively within the bed din. So at that point, I, together with some other women, um, really tried to, to get the chief rabbi and others engaged with this, which, which they did, and resulted in an agreement to set up a new role for a woman within the bed din. So after that all came about, uh, I really felt myself that there was so much that I knew I wanted to do with, with the role. And ultimately, I decided that that was my passion and I was going to leave my role in, in, in my law firm, uh, despite a significant pay cut, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, but to, to really take this on and see how far I could, could get with it. Um, and I thought it was a really important opportunity. Um, so I ended up taking on a role which initially was called a get caseworker and then developed to be more of a director role of, of the get cases within the Betdin. Um, and and it was um, a really interesting privilege, I should say, to work in that environment. Incredible, very much in line with Pnot Slovchad, working together within the system with the rabbis. Um, sounds like I know you were able to make some significant impact and we're looking forward to hearing more about that. So the most significant work you did probably relates to helping Agunot receive their get. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges that women faced and what changes did you make that have improved the system in London? Well, the, the difficulty is that every single case is so different and there were so many challenges. And each person's case is, is, can be tragic and, and is a challenge to them and, and can prevent them really moving on with their life. So it's difficult to generalize. And you know, there, there needed to be a different bespoke approach for every case. For me, the most important thing was to make sure that there was time dedicated to each and every person who was struggling to get a get, that cases weren't, um, you know, left to languish for want of um, enough resource or enough time or enough um, uh, attention, I suppose, and to really think about everything that could be done in every case. And it wasn't straightforward because you could spend weeks working on a case and really get nowhere. But for me, it was about making sure that no stone was left unturned and um, and everything was explored. That would be um, range from working with people to persuade them, trying to understand what the issues were, often working with people across different disciplines and expertise. So very often there'd be issues of mental health, criminality, other types of domestic abuse. So trying to engage all those types of people to make sure that we fully understand the people that we were dealing with and and what was holding back uh, a man who was intransigent. Um, And and then looking at things like uh, halakhic uh, solutions like the Harcha Kotta Rabbeinu Tam, for example, the the distancing measures, issuing Siravim 
um, you know, campaigns to tell the public that they shouldn't um, Im- involve a get refuser in their community and and really taking that as far as possible to make sure that a really clear signal was sent. So that was something that wasn't really um, done regularly that we started doing and was successful in, in quite a few situations to, to move the case on. In one case, we had a woman who'd been waiting for her get for 47 years and, um, you know, she had moved on with her life in some ways. So it wasn't a very straightforward classic case of Aguna, but nevertheless, she was waiting for her get. So through a, well, actually just a threat of a campaign, we were able to get a get for her. Um, then other types of um, mechanisms that that we used were the the Israeli justice system, because as we know in Israel, people can be put in prison um, because they're in Israel. The Bet Din is part of the judicial system, whereas in England it's not. You have your English courts and your Bet Din, so it's it's more complicated. So using that system to have English men arrested when they were in Israel. That, that was something that, through working with Israeli lawyers, made a massive, massive difference. Wow. And, and then, that. yeah, no, and, and then using that inspiration, actually, to work with some, some criminal lawyers in the UK to use some new legislation to, to as a deterrent, almost, um, to, to encourage somebody to give a get, which worked in a couple of cases. Um, and there's actually some new domestic abuse legislation here that we've, we've I've been working with some others on to, to make sure that get refusal is known as a type of abuse so I think you know sometimes it's about the the carrot and sometimes it's about the stick and actually with with that kind of message I really hope that it sends a a really clear signal that it's not okay yes wow sounds sounds like really um you've made a tremendous impact do you have um, any particular story one particular success story that you'd like to share with us you mentioned the woman of 47 years I mean that's just uh, impossible to imagine, but perhaps you have another one you'd like to share. Well, there are so many really. And I guess there was, there was one that was a man who became particularly aggressive towards me and used to send me, send me really um, violent types of abusive messages. And he had an underlying bipolar disorder he, you know, it wasn't straightforward. And he'd married a young woman who had converted to Judaism. He, they got divorced after really a matter of months and she'd been waiting about seven years. And we really tried everything. It was really hard to understand what he wanted. And um, he kept on changing his mind. At one, we tried to involve his family to prevent them from supporting him because people don't do this in a vacuum. You know, people will often have a whole support system around them. So it can, trying to progress the case can involve working with lots of different people. Mm-hmm. After lots of different approaches, we didn't get anywhere. And actually that case was resolved through the new, the legislation that I mentioned before, um, the Serious Crime Act, where coercive and con- through, through trying to bring a prosecution for coercive and controlling behaviour. And actually with that one, he gave the get before we had to follow that through. So that was um, an amazing result. And thank God this young woman is able to move on with her life. I should add that it was a case where the Betdin had already ruled that um, this man had an obligation to give the get before we went to the court. So that made it easier to to make sure that they would feel comfortable um, with any get that was um, secured that way. Wow, incredible. It's amazing the way you took your your background in law and really combined it with leadership skills and 
worked to both to, to really follow your passion and, pr- and protect women and empower women within the Jewish community, which leads me to my final and I question. Think that's, that was what I was. I was just going to say that that's what I think I'm, that was what I was able to bring in the sense that I was in a bed din. I'm not a Diane. I don't have, I, I'm really passionate about learning halakha, but I don't have the depth of knowledge anywhere close to um, any of the Dayanim or, or Rabbanim, but actually through having the legal skills, that was something I was able to bring. So through that, I was able to look at how the two systems intersect, where you can use the legal system to advance the, the get process and make sure that people know the types of junctures where you can um you know press to make change so that that really helped me I think to to make an impact in that setting for sure and a female presence and female perspective which you were able to provide um to the rabbis of the Beitin was probably really consequential and significant yeah for sure look I think that it's it was such an obvious thing to me that when you've got a situation that does prejudice women more than men um, you know, there are women who refuse the get, and I worked very closely on, on those types of cases as well. But ultimately, just being able to bring the, the perspective and represent that and advocate for the women, it, I think it's I think it's such an important role that every bedin should have to include to include a woman as part of the conversation. Most definitely. Um, so in closing, what do you think are the most significant challenges facing women in the Jewish community? Should add that, of course, um, Joe is now the CEO of LSJS. Is that the correct term? CEO of LSJS. Yeah. And so um, she's moved on to more of an administrative and, and leadership role within Jewish education, also still with an angle of promoting women. So what do you think are the most significant challenges facing women in the Jewish community? And what advice do you have for women who want to be more empowered to speak up for justice or to make a change? Thank you, Karen. I should also add that Karen has started uh, teaching within our organization on Zoom um, as our wonderful women's Gemara teacher, and we love her. So it's been really an honor to work together and to get to know you, Karen. And thank you for mentioning. Mutual love. (laughs) (laughs) And and as to your question, I look, I now work in a in the context of Jewish education. And I think all these the education underlines every every challenge that we have. Um, And when you're talking about challenges facing women, to me, the most crucial thing is for women to be educated. And with that comes power and comes understanding and comes an ability to address all of these challenges. So I totally believe it starts there. But as regards significant challenges, I would say that get refusal is until until we have a way through that that is the the major challenge. And my concern is that it so easily slips off the radar. You know, I feel guilty every day about the cases that I wasn't able to see come through to fruition and 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 for a get to be given. And, and you know, until there is nobody waiting for a get, I think this has to be front and center of all of our minds. And, and that we need to be constantly working to, to address it. And there are different avenues. And, you know, the more we can all put our heads together, then I think it's, it's for, the be- for the best of the humane, um, you know, religion for all of us. Um, and, and I suppose going back to what I was saying before, you know, women understanding halakha, women being involved in that conversation, being able to, to, to think about possible avenues it's so critical um and in terms of women how, how women should should and could make a change I was thinking a lot actually recently I was preparing a talk about Rabbi Sachs's leadership 
And one of the things that struck me so deeply was how his concept of leadership was not about authority, but it, it, it was about anybody finding something and having being empowered to drive forward your passions to make change. I think that's the most important thing that we can all do. So I hope that that resonates and, uh, and I really thank you. It certainly does. It certainly does. Um, So I just want to thank you so much for joining us and all the way from London, uh, the wonders of zoom and, and continue with all of your special and holy work that you're doing for women. So thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much. Cast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Micah Shore, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedencenter.com.